Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Ruby Lewis. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, if you live on the West Coast, you might have seen her in several For the Record live shows. She also toured with We Will Rock You, starred as Indigo in Cirque du Soleil's Paramore on Broadway, and played Marilyn Monroe in Marilyn, A New Musical. Please welcome Ruby Lewis. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Fantastic, all things considering, you know? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like trying to just busy myself around the house, stay positive. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a new year, hopefully. <laughs> all of my resolutions have already gone out the door, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't make resolutions anymore. I just like, I'm like, whatever worked last year, I'll do this year. It's, yeah, that's a good way to do it. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I'm like, this didn't work last year, so it, I'm going to switch that up. But I'm just kind of drawing it out a little bit for comfort. I think it's a creature comfort thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, last year was so crazy that it's like, Okay, so <laughs> we want to, we want this year to be like as great as possible for all of us. So I think we're like overreaching maybe. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. Trying to get a head start on ugh, making something happen. I know, but yeah, it's a long, it's going to be a long haul. So <laughs> it is. So anyways, how have you been doing? Uh, like, how have you been keeping yourself busy during this time? I've been uh, just taking on all kinds of creative projects. It's been really fun. I'm I am in Vegas and I have a house in Vegas and I'm just very fortunate that I have all these um, ladies that are live in my house with me. My tenants are, my roommates are all very creative. So I've got musicians in the house and um, I just, I worked on um, my garage is now my studio. So it's not only a vocal recording studio, but it's a photography studio and like we've got all of our crafts out there and that's just kind of where we go to just putz around and create stuff. And it's been so awesome to just have somewhere to play, you know? So that's kind of all I've been doing, just playing, playing around, writing stuff and working on the house. That's about it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Speaking of Vegas, what makes you choose the West coast over the East coast to live on? Because like you're in musical theater and you're mm -hmm. fantastic in musical theater, but you found consistently found stuff on the West Coast. I know it's been weird. I never ever thought I'd end up on the West Coast. I went to school and then I'm like New York City. That was that's my spot. And then I ended up on the West Coast because of a dude, you know, a boyfriend at the time lived there. And that's the only reason why I ended up on in Los Angeles. But then it ended up being amazing because that's where I, um, I joined my, my theater company for the record. And that just led to so many things, including Vegas, you know? And so when I was doing Baz here in Vegas for the second time, I'm like, I never ever thought Vegas would be a thing, but it seems, seems like it is. So I guess I'll buy a house here and <laughs> yeah. it's a lot cheaper than buying in New York city. So that's how that happened. Before I get into For the Record, because I have a ton of For the Record questions. Okay. <laughs> have you always known that you wanted to go into theater or was there like something else that you wanted, thought you were going to go into as a child? I think when I was like, uh, I, well, no, even in college, I started off un, undeclared and I thought for a long time I wanted to be a choreographer Ooh. because I was really um, into dance. I competed nationally. I, I was you know, driving 
45 minutes to, to train. Um, when I was growing up, I was really into dance. And, um, and I still really love choreography. So um, I was thinking about going into that sector. But then I think once I got to college, it was just probably the, the shows that they chose for us to do, the musicals that they chose for us, just like hooked me. They knew what they were doing. They hooked me in. So, and then it was, I think I, it was my class was the first class um, that they made the BFA in performing arts even available, like musical theater even available. So we were kind of the guinea pigs and um, yeah. So I just joined the program and the rest is history. It's been, but I mean, I've always done theater. I've always loved yeah. it. Yeah, I was gonna say dance and theater also like, they also go together really yeah. well. Yeah, so. I think too in college, I did choreograph a few things and I loved it. But then once it came time for the show to you know be put on and I wasn't actually in it performing, I'm watching and I'm just like, dang, I wish I was in that. I'm gonna be on stage. You know, uh-huh. Like choreograph something with yourself in it maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the answer. Cause it's that's- really hard for me to watch without performing. Yeah. Being on stage and like, yeah. I mean, cause like, for people who have seen you on stage, I think they'd all agree that like you're meant to be on stage and meant to be, like <laughs> seeing you on stage, performing on stage. You're so good, as I mentioned. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it just it's like my place. It's almost like a I can drop into a meditative state on stage. It's so weird because some people have, you know, stage fright, and it's the opposite for me. It's like stage unfright. <laughs> yes, it's like where yeah. it's where you're comfortable. It's so- true. I'm, your voice is so stunning. What training helped you with your singing and like growing your singing to a place where it's like so consistently, like it's top notch. <laughs> I think I, I give a lot of credit to the training that I got in college because it was um, a brand new program and they were still building it. We didn't have a musical theater like we didn't get voice lessons within our theater program. We had to go to the music program. So I trained classically and my teacher, um, Elizabeth Volkman, she had, she sang at the Metropolitan Opera. And so she was really challenging me. We did arias, Italian arias. And I really do think between that and in high school, my, my choir director, he was really, um, really strict on sight reading and we sang some hard stuff we sang the Handel's Messiah suite in full every year and that was like you know that's like (laughs) it's all that all that placement stuff I think really helped me even though it was in my soprano it just helped me with placement in general and it helped me with consistency and breathing and I mean it just I think it just built built my strength up in a way that I didn't realize at the time I thought this is silly I'm never going to be an opera singer but now I'm just very grateful that yeah that I think that it helped set the foundation in a way and then from then on it was like uh I also credit when I was doing the Greece tour which was my first big um my first big equity gig um it was so much fun but every single week we would move almost every week so every Monday we would travel to the next and then so every Tuesday we'd have a sound check and I just, I use that sound check as a means of kind of like a vocal warm up, and just pushed, I pushed, the sound guy just hated me. I mean, I'm just like pushed like to the edge, to the edge of my belt, to the edge of everything and just give him everything I got. And doing that every week, I think also helped for a year and a half. And it's just been, it's just been a constant, like things come to me to help me to elevate my art. So it's been really great. Yeah, your range is like, 
I feel like you could sing anything. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, I think I've covered most genres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. So for the record, I have to talk about because like it's been such a huge part of your career on the West yeah. Coast. Uh, how did you find out about for the record? That is such a great question. Okay, so I was in LA and I first, when I first auditioned for For the Record, they did not cast me. I remember actually, um, oh. they were, yeah, they, they were put, yeah, they were putting up, um, it was a, it was Baz, it was Baz before the Great Gatsby movie was even out. So it was Baz when it was, I think they call it 2.0, because they did one version of Baz when they first opened in this tiny, 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 tiny bar. Yeah. And then this was, ja- this was Baz 2.0. Um, and I went in and I remember I sang one of Satine's songs and uh, Steve Masaryk said, oh, wow, I've never really heard that sang. I've never really heard that song in a kind of country way. And I was like, oh, I wasn't really meaning to sound like that, but <laughs> I was just young and from Kentucky and I don't know. So I didn't, I didn't get cast and I went on the Jersey Boys tour and then something told me to leave the Jersey Boys tour and go back to LA and I went and auditioned again and I've gotten on their mailing list just because the um the club Rockwell um it I I went there on like Monday or Tuesday nights I can't remember back in the day for open mic night they would have a pianist there and you could bring your book and I just missed New York I missed being around musical theater people so I would go by myself and take my book and just sing whatever out of my book just to practice and I got on the mailing list and that's how I heard out, uh, I found out about the auditions. It was just kind of happen, oh. happenstance. Yeah, I didn't, it wasn't my agent or anything. It was just happenstance. And then, and then when I first joined, it was, it was just, they were doing shows so rapidly and, yeah. you know, it was like every four months it was a new show. So I just jumped in and it was just like this glorious machine of creativity and artists. It was amazing. It's such a special show. And oh, man. I mean, there's so many of of different shows in For the Record. I know. I don't know how many at this point. Mm-hmm. I was like on YouTube, like searching, like, how many are there? I've lost count. I was watching Forrest Gump the other night and I was thinking, oh my gosh, our Zemeckis show was so special and it hasn't seen another production since we did it at Rockwell. I'm like, oh God, we've got just, yeah, so much good, yummy stuff people need to see. Do you place the songs like in the movies where they're at in the shows? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think my friends and even my boyfriend, he gets annoyed because I'm like, oh, we, and for the record, we did this, you know, it's like the, the women in the robes and stuff. I was like, oh, I, wanted, I was one of these women and for the record. Oh, we had Lieutenant Dan and for the record too. And, you know, we, we used it. I don't, yeah, it's just constant. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's constant. What? <laughs> What's been your favorite for the record show to be a part of? Because I mean, they're also good. I feel like that's a hard. So good. I know. (laughs) I keep hoping though that they'll bring Scorsese out here to Vegas. I think that that would do really well out here. You know, with Casino and everything. And that show, it's just like the soundtracks to the Scorsese films, like the '60s, Aretha, and there's just so many good, good power, powerful songs in that in that one. I would love to do that one again. They did it at the Wallace um, in Beverly yeah. Hills. And I was, I think I was on tour at the time and I didn't get to do it. And um, yeah, it's one of my faves for sure. It, it's a good one. I saw it at the Wallace when it went back did to the you? Wallace. I missed it. 
pre the Wallace because I wasn't in LA yet, but oh, luckily, I completely off. Oh, yeah, it looked wonderful. So hope I'm hoping I keep talking to them about it. So we'll see. This when it, for the record hasn't been at the Wallace. They're normally at like small venues and like intimate venues. Mm-hmm. How do you think that helps? with the show and with the feel of the show and how do you think that like that's like made the show work as well as it has yeah that's kind of part of it it's part of the mo of the company because i think people especially people who are huge fans of the movies it's like you are in the movie you're immersed in it i remember doing scorsese in um in rockwell and it was like the scene from goodfellas i think it is where joe pesci they're getting into the like you talking to me you're talking to me i mean that they were sitting at a table with patrons yeah so it's just like you're in the movie with the actors and it's just so much more exciting that way I think than being you know having a proscenium separate you so I'm still a major fan of that and there um, are a lot of venues here in Vegas that would be just great for that so I continue to push for it (laughs) I've never been to Vegas and I keep telling myself that I'm gonna go to Vegas when for the record comes back in Vegas yeah so like I don't think I'd be into like the Vegas scene, but I'd be into like for the record there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for. I mean, I'm not not to say I'm I'm very sad for Cirque du Soleil and they've already permanently yeah. closed a lot of shows and, but I think that COVID has now kind of leveled the playing field in a way to where all the theaters, all the venues are open and then they're going to want to reopen because entertain it's the entertainment capital of the world they say, um, they're going to have to reopen with a, you know a smaller budget. And I just think that it's going to be the time for these smaller companies to move in and to be the entertainment. So I'm really excited to see what happens. Yes, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Once everybody gets healthy and everything's cool. Speaking of for the record in movies, how do you, since you've played so many characters that are like popular from these movies that like people love, mm-hmm. um, how do you make these characters your own? That's, yeah, I think that I approach it, I mean, uh, sometimes Anderson, who is our director, um, sometimes he'll get on us if we are playing caricatures of the characters, you know, if we're just um, pretending to be Keira Knightley, for instance, and Love Actually, but um, I really think, I I try to get their physical mannerisms down as, as much as I can, but then I think I just throughout the through, through process of repetition, I think I just try to like be in their world in such a way that if I've got the physicality down, then it's incredibly believable as long as I'm living their truth, if that makes sense. That's, no, I mean, For the Record is just so cool in that way because it's no, no other show do you get to embody different characters all in one show. And then you're playing a famous person at times, but you're also a character, you know, you're also Juliet. It's just really it's it's an embarrassment of riches in my opinion as as a performer oh for sure for sure mm-hmm. have you kept track of how many characters you've played total <laughs> within ftr shows no i should calculate that <laughs> i was just thinking about the zemeckis show in like i played all there were three female tracks i think in that show and i i got to step into every female track but within each track there were probably five characters so even in just the zemeckis alone it was 15 plus uh, that's insane. Including like, like Jessica Rabbit. Um, you know, it was just Jenny from Forrest Gump. Very different characters, but it, yeah. And they kind of, it's cool because they kind of like intertwine for people who haven't seen For the Record. They kind mm-hmm. of like intertwine these characters that like one person plays and make like 
they make them one in a way. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, especially in the old days, it was one little costume piece that you would put on that would say, I am now this new character. So then you had, you yourself had to make a shift. Yeah. I think Coen brothers, we did Fargo. And so it's like, you, you put on the, the, the Minnesota accent and you're, you're whatever. And so like, but you have to switch back and forth. It was so much fun. And Rockwell audiences love that stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause they were just in on something really yeah. special. I know that they, you know, we could feel it. They could feel it, it was just a special time. So I want to get into Paramore mm-hmm. on Broadway, but first you've mentioned tours and being on a lot of tours. Mm-hmm. What is tour life like? How, like, what's it like traveling the country and performing for like different groups of people in different states where like theater is resected differently? Yeah, it's, um, I miss touring. I, I, after I did my fourth tour, I said, I'm never touring again, but now I'm like, I'm ready to tour again. Um, <laughs> Because, yeah, audiences are different, but in a way, you know, you're going to meet somebody in Schenectady, New York, and then you're going to meet somebody in Dallas, Texas, and they still have something in common, and it's that they love the theater. So you're always just very warmly received, and you're really treated like royalty on the, you know, a lot of the, uh, like Broadway Across America venues, especially, they, you know, they bring these tours in, and it's their bread and butter, and they throw parties, and the audience just can't wait to see you know, Jersey boys, they can't afford to make it to New York City. So they're just chomping at the bit. And it's part of the, it's, you know, it's part of what makes them proud to be in their community that they even have access to theater. And I mean, I love staying in hotels. <laughs> it's not, it's nice. You have to be a little bit, um, you have to be clever with your food and making like oatmeal, oatmeal in a, in a coffee pot, but you get used to it. And it's great and then someone changes your sheets for you (laughs) I mean that's probably the best part I'm sure like keeping up with health on tour when you're on the road and like traveling is kind of hard it's so hard my first tour was a bus and truck tour they call it like a non-equity and we were doing gypsy and it was I mean we would stay in hotels but we would oftentimes have to travel 14 hours a day on the bus and then if we'd roll into the theater bless our crew I have no idea how they did it how they turned the show over so many times but they, they did not stay in hotels. They just stayed, lived on a bus. Um, or the theater. And I remember we had this little um, like Tupperware box, like what, what you would put crafts and stuff in, or kind of like a file box. And I had my food in there, my instant rice, my tuna packets and stuff. And then, and I got so sick when that tour ended. It was nine months. And I got this mysterious illness when the tour was over and I swear it was just from being malnourished like just eating living on tuna and rice and you know dinner mints and stuff (laughs) it was hard so it was nice once I upgraded to the uh bigger bigger tours and had more time in each city and yeah got to make food yeah (laughs) have you gotten to tour like near your hometown and like had like friends who can't like maybe necessarily go see you on Broadway, like yeah. come to the show and be like, oh, this is like my first like theater show or something. Totally, that's been so cool. I think anytime we come through Nashville, a lot of people will come down and see it. And that theater is huge. And it's just, that you know, it's just like, wow. But they're watching me and they're thinking like, we always knew you were gonna do it and you're doing it. And it's just, it's great. I think. We went through Lexington once. 
um, on my first bus and truck tour. It's a smaller venue. And my parents threw a big Kentucky party. We had cloggers. It's great being close to home on tour. I can imagine. It's probably like the stop you look forward to. Yes. I was trying to find any friends, parents. I'm just, I wanted host families all around the country because I just love home. You know, I just like being, having a kitchen and having a closet and stuff. (laughs) Like an Airbnb type deal. Yes. Once Airbnb came around, oh, that was a game changer. (laughs) I wonder if it's going to come back around once this whole COVID. I hope so. It's great. I think it's just, well, I mean, I guess it's not great for the hotels, but I prefer it. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've never done it, but I've always wanted to because like, I do prefer staying somewhere with a kitchen Yes. In the closet, as you mentioned, like mm-hmm. a full-size kitchen. <laughs> Even though I don't cook. It <laughs> <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose. It just feels like, it's like nice. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. Home. It's just anything that reminds you of home. It's great. So you made your Broadway debut in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. What was that like? Did you like expect it to happen when you auditioned, when you went in and auditioned? I kind of expected to book it because I was doing Baz here in Vegas and um, Scott Zeiger was the producer of Baz in Vegas under the Cirque Theatrical uh, arm. And it was Cirque Theatrical that was doing Paramore. So I knew that I had him as the executive producer. I had him in my corner um, because he had seen me in Baz in LA. Of course, you know, he produced the show in Vegas and so he was there and he really did fight for me because the creative team, they weren't used to putting on musicals. So Philippe de Couflet, the director, he was used to the ingenue or the lead female being a non-speaking role. Generally, they're kind of clowny, they're clowns. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I it just really threw, threw them off. They weren't quite, quite sure what to do with me. And um, I think what really what put me ahead and this speaking of working in on the west coast um i remember being at pearl studios for the final callback we did a dance call we, we sang um we read but then when we were reading one set of sides it was up close it was a it was a screen test an actual screen test and i thought yeah it was you know because they knew they were going to be using yeah. live video on the show and i think a lot of the other girls ladies were had not done a lot of television and film work and it were really uncomfortable in front of the camera whereas I had been on the west coast so I had done camera work and I'd done a screen test before and I knew how to you know you kind of have to it's different than theater yeah you're you have to keep everything smaller and and I really do think that that set me apart helped so even though sometimes being in LA is really annoying and I miss New York I think that it came in it came in handy it helped out it's funny that you say that because like it's funny you talk about the differences between tv film and theater because like you can tell when someone on stage has that tv film experience mm-hmm. and acting and you can tell like by their acting choices and totally. how they do like play it smaller mm-hmm. a little bit like they it's like it's natural Yes, totally. Yes, totally. I mean, there's definitely a time and a place for jazz hands and like big stuff, but um, to, to understand how to like, how to turn it down and yeah, make it believable. Yes. Yeah. It's another skill set. 
What was your reaction when you got the role? I have a video. I have a video of it. And it's, it's funny because like my very first tour, when I booked it, I remember in college, I was at this Mexican restaurant with my friends in college and I just, I jumped up and down. I ran around. I was just like uh, crying and stuff. And I get the call for Paramore and it's my agents and they're just, and I'm like, yay. Oh, yay. That's so great. And then, you know, it was just this all underwhelming inside. I was so freaking yeah. sad. Um, and then I took myself to Dillard's and went shopping. <laughs> a reward. I love it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going shopping now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How did you prepare for the role? Because you were, were you originally a character too for your Broadway debut? Yeah, I was, I started with nothing. I mean, they didn't know, they didn't have a script. I, wow. I think I was the first cast. And then um, before they cast anybody else, I mean, I think, I think they knew that a lot of the acrobats they were going to bring back on because they used a lot of people um, from Iris, which was the show that was at the Dolby in LA. They used a lot of the sets, a lot of the costumes. They brought back a lot of the, the same acrobats. So, um, but before they hired any other actors, I, they flew me to Montreal and um, Andrew Lippa was actually signed on at the time to be, to write the music. What? So I was just like completely fangirling, freaking out went to Montreal, wrote a song with Andrew Lippa, and we were just kind of spitballing. Like, we don't know who, what the story is. We just know that it's a girl. Yeah. We know, that, we know that it's Hollywood, golden age. We know she's a young gal. We know she has aspirations to be in the movies. Um, but that's kind of it. And then we started kind of trying to figure out the, tri- the love triangle before, you know, the song was even existed. It was so organic. It was unlike you know it was like when you're workshopping a show tw- you know three years before it ever sees the stage but we did it all in rehearsals and, and it was just quick really I mean we had How four I guess it was four months which is a longer rehearsal period than a lot of shows but no. um we would we would take the train down we we were rehearsing out on Long Island at Grumman Studios because the you know we had to have the fly space and stuff um so there was it was a literal circus I mean there were there were things going on acts going on all around and then the actors we would sit and we would have some pages that were that would maybe end up in the script maybe not um I would sometimes get a new song and I got to really put my I really got to have a say in in everything it was awesome it's kind of like I'm thinking of La La Land like at the end of it Mm-hmm. when uh like they tell her that she that they didn't have a script in it and it's like oh okay you're kind of just like thrown into it and the whole creative process and mm-hmm. it, wow. it was and then it was also really art imitating life because I, I was in LA singing in a club when Scott Zeiger you know discovered me and plucked me out of it to put me on Broadway so it was kind of like in Paramore she's you know it was just very parallel it was cool what was do you remember the day of your Broadway debut and what it was like for you how did like yeah well you know it's it was first preview um a lot of people say opening night is the first the official opening night is your first but preview was it for me I mean it was a packed house I remember being very nervous but I I remember the bow like I remember bowing and how just 
filled. I mean, I was just full of so much joy right before I walked out with Jeremy and Ryan. It was, I mean, it was incredible. It was just, we did it. I did it. And it was like my younger self was just watching myself and applauding. It was so cool. What do you, what do you think made Paramore like a show that was meant to be on Broadway? And like, I mean, did it essentially like skip the workshop stages kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, our, our, our rehearsals were the workshops. And I, I think they had a little bit of a, some groundwork laid with the E. Reese show, which was the Cirque show. And, um, but as far as, you know, Cirque isn't used to telling a, a story and oh. having English language songs and stuff. So it was definitely a brand new embark on their part. And but they were just so proud and so excited. You know, the, even the, the heads of Cirque du Soleil came to see it and they were just so excited because they'd never been able to tell a story in that way before. I'm sure it was a huge spectacle. I wish I had gotten to see it so bad. And it I wish was. I, I, I wish it was still like going on on Broadway. I still know. That, well, like if Broadway was happening right now. If Harry Potter hadn't come in there and, and bought the theater out, we would still be there, I think. Probably, probably. But I know they needed that all that space. It's like the biggest fly space. They needed it, the space. And they for them. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do think, I mean, it went to Hamburg and now it's closed in Hamburg, but I think it'll have life. You know, I, there's talks of the West End and, and it's, it's interesting. I keep getting messages now. Somehow word has gotten out and I get messages a lot from uh, college students asking for sheet music and they want to sing the songs and they're just discovering it online and oh and wow. listening to the soundtrack soundtrack so I think it's yeah it's getting a new little kind of resurgence in a way which is um pretty cool hopefully they can do like a production on the west coast in speaking of Vegas in Vegas yeah that would be oh man that'd be awesome because I feel like they already have like the space for for a Cirque show so, yeah, you're so right. Hey, so... manifesting that one. Hey. Yeah, I mean, the sets are there, the costumes are there. It's just a plug and play at this point. So, and, yeah, it, and cool. it'd be close to where I am normally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I wouldn't have to speak German. <laughs> I was hey. with Hamburg. I'm like, I don't know if I can do those songs in German. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I the brain. I, I could, but I don't think I would know what I was actually saying, and that would bother me. Like, I, I would memorize it by rote, and then I don't think, yeah, I don't, wouldn't be able to communicate like I like to do through the song. I don't know if I would like it, but. Before I move on from Paramore and talk about Marilyn, which I want to talk about, because, yeah. uh, because uh, Gregory Neighbors wrote it, mm-hmm. and he's a genius. What was mm-hmm. the most memorable part from Paramore? I think for me, it was being on stage with the acrobatic acts and it was hard for me to stay in character while I'm watching because I'd never, you know, I never hung out with acrobats before, but (laughs) they truly put themselves, they put their lives at risk every single day. It's, uh, it's crazy, but they, the way they carry themselves through life, you know, they just trust, they trust each other. They they trust where they are. I mean, it was just that for me, I'll never forget watching the teeterboard act, you know, from just 
so close up. I was just right there with them and I could see their sweat flying and I'm, I'm with just with bated breath, hoping that they land it solid and they don't land on their neck. And like, oh, you know, it was just crazy to be around people that just defied gravity like that. It was crazy. It gives you anxiety, I'm sure. It's like kind of like watching my sister's a, gym, a gymnast or was a gymnast. Yes. It's probably like watching a gymnastics meet and it's like, please don't fall, please don't fall. It, it was, it was. And then you have to stay in character like everything's fine if they did fall. <laughs> Jeremy Kushner could never do that though. Oh my gosh, he, anytime something would, someone, a foot would slip, he's like, oh, yeah. Jeremy, you can't break character like that. <laughs> That'd be me. I'd have a heart attack like mid show. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm just like kind of biting my tongue, like, oh my God, oh my God. Ah! At one point, we had this girl doing the hand to trapeze act, and she was getting tossed between a man on the ground and a man up at the trapeze. She was jumping sometimes from the trapeze <laughs> down, and she was pregnant. <gasps> and she would jump. I mean, I think after two months I mean she was pregnant for maybe in performing for a couple of months but even those first couple of months I was like oh my god I wasn't just concerned for her I'm concerned for the baby I'm just like <laughs> oh my gosh just so much anxiety you could pay me a million and awe, just awe I was in awe you know I'll never forget how how impressed I was <laughs> you could pay me a million dollars I would never do what those people do <laughs> oh my gosh I'm glad they didn't give me too too much of that sort of thing <laughs> would have been oh no yeah <laughs> uh, I know I actually I was training one trick in Paramore where during we had a like a country western kind of scene and they wanted me to do this passing cartwheel I guess it was to where I'm like my arms are out my legs are out in a cartwheel position but then it was just the guys and they had me lifted and they just passed me and they kept kind of rotating me and passed me along and um, we had to cut it because uh, during rehearsal, one of the guys, I mean, huge dude, like six, four and just big guy. He had me and it was like nothing, but his thumb like slipped under my rib cage and popped my rib. And, yeah, it was, that was one tiny, tiny trick. And the, the, all the girls are like, yeah, you kind of get used to it. You get, you build up a strong core and you you get you know and I'm like oh, I don't think I want to get used to it <laughs> after how long <laughs> yeah I was like I don't know I don't, uh, don't want to be in pain every day yeah you could also get used to like throwing double bags but like after like how after like oh, 30 God. years yeah your knees go yeah no so <laughs> yeah that's that's insanity mm -hmm. so getting into Maryland what how did you get involved in that was it had you known Gregory Neighbors be before from like mm -hmm. LA? Oh, really? no, I, ha I had not um, worked with him really. I don't think, I mean, we had a lot of mutual friends, of course, and he, yeah. I, I knew of him, but he came to see me, I guess it was Tegan Summer saw me in Baz and they were at the time casting Marilyn and they were going to go with a, with a star. They were going to go with like a Lindsay Lohan or something like that. Um, they wanted to stunt cast it but then Tegan came and saw me in Baz and he invited Gregory to come see me in Baz and so that was when I met met him officially and that was when they were like I think we could I think this could work I think Ruby could do it and we wouldn't have to pay a celebrity you know thousands of dollars to not even be a you know not even know what they're doing um not be as good as you <laughs> yeah and so that's when Greg like he told the story that um he had already written um the big 11 o'clock number 
with, with Lindsay Lohan in mind. And then he said he saw me. And once I was signed on, he rewrote it and, you know, wrote it more for a singer, a, a musical theater singer. Yeah. So that be, that became a collaboration as well, which, gosh, I just feel so fortunate that I get involved in projects where I get to be, you know, the creator as well. So we, of course, got very close in that um, experience and just developing the character. And it was also awesome to work with Greg because he helped me. I thought, you know, Marilyn, when she's speaking, she's kind of speaking like this. And I'm like, but I like to sing like, rah. And so that's when we came up with the idea that, okay, well, when Marilyn's in public, she's Marilyn. But when she's singing, that's her private life and she can be her and she, and her true voice can come out. And so that was, that was an amazing kind of revelation for us and opens, you know, open the door to do whatever we wanted. I was going to say, they heard you sing in Baz and they were like, oh, okay. Yeah, we have to have her in the show. They were like, okay, we're going to make sure she sings in high F, uh, make sure we put these notes in there. Yeah. Okay. High F, like how do you sing in like the high ranges? What's more difficult, the high or the low ranges? For me, uh, for me, it's like right, right around um, a high C is really hard for me. So it's like, and back to before, like that note is hard for me, but like is easier. I don't know why. What? It's like a different placement. And I don't know why, but yeah, it's easier for me to just go and belt an F than it is for me to belt a C. I don't know why. <laughs> I think maybe it's just muscle memory. And it's like, maybe um, I, I can still do the splits, even though I don't practice my splits every day. I can still do it. So maybe it's just something like that. Like I did it so many times in Baz that it's just, boop, it's just there. You sing over love so much that. <laughs> yeah, I did it enough times that, yeah, I've got it down. <laughs> How do you like work on like not straining your voice when you're singing those difficult songs so much? I know it's, for me, it's a matter of breath support, I think. And then like I said, muscle memory, um, I think I, I've been for, fortunately blessed with just cords of steel, I say, you know, yeah. and, and maybe it is because I was hard on them. You know, like I said, on, on the Grease tour, when I'm, you know, doing my sound check and I just sing hard, I just sing hard on them. And it's, I'm like an army sergeant just on those cords, like you will. <laughs> yes, I will do you'll this. Do I will. Yeah. You won't whine about it and you'll do it and you'll do it better every time. <laughs> yes. The determination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no choice, but to just nail it. Actually, I did a one woman show in October and I decided to sing every single 11 o'clock number that I've done. And by the time I sang the song from Marilyn, I was spent. I was, it, it was like, it wasn't there. And that freaks me out. Oh my gosh. It freaks me out. I'm just like, I can't believe it. My one, my one thing that I can rely on. You're like, like, come on, come on. Missing all the eleven o'clock numbers. What? <laughs> I just, my friends were all like, "What were you thinking?" What are you <laughs> like, oh, now I understand why there's generally only one eleven o'clock number. <laughs> yeah, like per show. Yeah, because you have to save yourself for it. Yeah, so doing well, them all in a row was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I was going to say, well, at least you're ready, you're ready for Wicked where there's like 511 o'clock numbers. That's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you could pitch Marilyn for Broadway, how would you go about pitching the show for Broadway? Because I feel like 
I heard one song from it a long time ago. I think it was at the at uh, the Feinstein's venue in mm-hmm. LA, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. Yeah, that I love that song. Well, I mean, I think that the show is unique in that it combines songs that she did sing and within her career with original songs. And then I think it's unique because it is a look, it's a glimpse into her personal life, which everyone is so intrigued by. You know, everyone just knows the public Marilyn and she was, I mean, she was really lonely and she was, she did struggle a lot with um, not knowing who to trust and she was used and abused in so many ways. And I just think that the show really um, was a look into how she handled that and mentally and physically and, you know, they were forcing her to take uppers and downers kind of like Judy Garland. And we touched on that. And for me, it, yeah, it doesn't uh, glamorize it too much. Whereas I think bombshell could perhaps glamorize Marilyn and just show what was on the surface, which is what we've already seen. Yeah. You know? And so I think the Marilyn show and, and her estate even backed it, even considering that we, we, you know, dealt with the, drug issues and stuff but even her estate backed it because it was her story and it led to her unfortunate you know uh demise or too too soon in my opinion and it, it really is a it's still a problem I think in Hollywood people you know being used or people being overworked and um being forced to keep a certain beauty standard and take diet pills and I don't know you know it's it's still relevant I think yep absolutely mm-hmm. from what from what you hear like on that like entertainment news sources mm-hmm. it's still very relevant yeah it is so I think that it's a nice autobiographical or biographical piece you know you not say, just fluff would you say it's kind of like a jukebox musical but with like original music yeah I guess in a way because it does follow it's kind of chronological it follows her career through the years so you get to see her when she's just doing my heart belongs to daddy and then you get to see her toward the end when she's doing that really um what was the the movie um the Arthur Miller when she was with Arthur Miller and the misfits you know so it's like from fluff a little fluff thing to the misfits where she was yeah I mean it was her last years um so yeah, in that way, in that way, it's kind of like Jersey Boys to where you see them and they're, and then you see how the fame kind of starts to break them apart. Yep. You know? And it, and it has the originality to it, which is really, which is epic. Mm-hmm. Like, which you don't see a lot with the jukebox musicals on Broadway. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh. And yeah, and you get to know some of the other important people in her life in a way that um, is really cool too. You know, the way they wrote um, Arthur Miller, the way they wrote, um, um, oh gosh, the head of the studio and stuff. And, you know, you get to, you get to kind of get an idea about who she was surrounded by and stuff. That's pretty so, cool. I mentioned that you could probably be like in Wicked by now with like all the <laughs> numbers you see. You mm-hmm. see? Speaking of that, what's like a dream role for you or multiple dream roles on a Broadway stage, any stage. I, I think now I'm finally aging into my dream roles um, because I've always wanted to, I got to do ragtime in college and I really want to do mother in ragtime. I'm hoping ragtime comes back to Broadway soon. And then I have I a chance. Like I feel like it's about time, right? It's the twenties again, yeah. right? 
So they're actually doing it at Utah Shakes. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, it might be kind of an out of town. So I got to get in that production. Yeah. I'm on the internet. I'm like, I need to find that somebody's email. Um, <laughs> um, but then, you know, like I just, I'm a huge fan of Ethel Merman. And I just can't wait to be the broad and to do like the Sunset Boulevards. And yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be the broad. I don't want to push it too soon, too fast. Cause that, you know, means I'm getting older, but. <laughs> I'm ready to be the broad, but I also just love originating stuff. So I'm still working with a few composers on original, you know, material that I just like to breathe life into something for the first time. I feel like not everyone can do that. Like that's such a challenging thing to originate something. Mm-hmm. It's more challenging than people would think to like come, like come up with a character and like come up with like what the character does from the ground up. Yeah, everything, everything from the physical to the mental and, you know, why are you singing this song? What, what happened when you were a child that made you (laughs) feel this way? You know, it's, it's just like the possibilities are so endless. It's just, it's creating a whole human. So that's really fun for me. I love doing that. And then like passing the torch to like an understudy when an understudy goes on and like the, uh, like trying to help like the understudy interpret the role or like giving the mm-hmm. understudy something to interpret when they're watching you perform it so yeah. that they can go and perform it themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm glad I was an understudy. When I was on the Grease tour, I understudied Sandy and Patty. And I'm just so glad that I had that experience because I know how hard it is. It's really, you don't get a chance to rehearse nearly enough. And then you get kind of thrown to the wolves when you do have to go on. And it's really helpful if you're, if you whomever's playing the role, if they, give you just a few tips on the specifics of, you know, even just where the why, even just the why is very helpful. Like the reason why this character is singing this is because of this. Oh, thank you. You know. You mentioning that you understudied two roles, like also like that's insane because like understudies, when they like they're understudying roles and they have like tracks memorized in the show, like dance track, entire dance tracks. And I'm like, how does a person fit all that into their like one head? I do not. I, I don't know how my friends who are swings and who cover eight tracks or eight or nine tracks and stuff. I just don't. It's almost like football. It's almost like you have to have a, a game play kind of, you know, use diagrams and yeah. like, well, this is where I normally am. But um, for this character, I'm going to be over here. And then normally I go upstage, but then I have to go downstage. And then, I mean, it is like, so it's way too much to keep, <laughs> keep track of. My brain doesn't work that way. I'd, I'd stare at a diagram and be like, mm, what? <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. My heart. Uh, it, yeah. It's so hard. And I even think, I remember, I think it was, it, you know, shove with love, they say. When I was on for Patty, I think I'd, it'd been a long time since I'd rehearsed it or since I'd been on. And I'm just like, y'all just put me where I need to be, please. <laughs> just push no. me in the, yeah. <laughs> help me out I'll try to remember but help me out yeah I'm a little vague on a few things (laughs) but hey that's impressive and to be in a show like Grease like how fun so fun the costumes were fun oh the people were amazing it it's like it was so it's so big still to this day so I know Mm -hmm. if you could make a for the record show from like any director's movies who would, what director would it be? Ooh, I have maybe Julie Taymor. Well, I think it's time for a lady, you know, it's time yeah. for a woman. Um, 
Yeah. My gosh. I just say Julie Tamar because I'm obsessed with across the universe. I just love that movie so much. Um, yeah, I think Julie would be awesome. Um, what are we talking about? Oh yeah. I also, um, I've just been waiting. I don't, I don't think it's going to ever going to be a thing because there's just rights issues, but Tim Burton. Oh yeah. 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 You know, I think that would be so cool. That's been in the top. It's been in talks since I was in the company and it's just never happened. I think because of rights issues and stuff, but it's just begging. It's begging to be a for the record show in my opinion. Yeah. That would sell out every night. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm sure they could figure out a way maybe. You would think, well, I mean, and they, the amazing thing about those guys is that um, they just continue to build their network and, you know they're Hollywood guys now they they've they got universal on their side so yeah it's definitely possible it's definitely possible for Helena Bottom Carter to see one of the shows and to say hey Tim yeah Burton. yeah that's you know it's totally know. possible it was Tarantino came to the show all the time to see the Tarantino show I feel so. like they're masters of networking and like yeah. getting the word out about the shows yeah like that's why yeah it's part of the reason it's done so well because like people can go to the shows when they're at the smaller venues and take video and take pictures and that's like word of mouth on social media nowadays. Mm-hmm. It was miraculous in that way. They didn't spend a lot on advertising. It was all word of mouth and yeah, people posting and people would post because they were like, "Wow, what am yeah. I what am I witnessing right now? This is incredible." I thought I was just going to have dinner and a show. Yeah, it's I, didn't I mean, expect my- for my whole life to be changed. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion, I think it, it's better than Broadway, but like, who am I? like, I like the intimate setting. Yeah. Broadway is no, amazing. With you. I like the intimate stuff and I like eating food and like <laughs> good food while I'm in the theater and yeah, like, without like having, like, you're not worrying about the, the like crinkling of the wrappers. I mean, you, you're kind of worrying about the waiters like crossing where the sight lines are, but Hey. Yeah, it became this a song and dance in itself, working with the, the wait staff and everything. It was part of the experience. <laughs> yeah, like not crashing into the wait staff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it would happen sometimes, but <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> everyone at everyone in for the record was so good at improv that generally it would just become a joke or be part of the show. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, even nowadays at like Rockwell shows, it's like people go up and like or they did go up and like eat other people's food. Yeah. <laughs> drink their drinks. Did. <laughs> that was fun because we knew if we drank someone's drink that they would get a new one. Yeah. And we would also get to like have a sip of wine during the show. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I don't think that that's going to happen for a long time. I don't think so. It's <laughs> definitely pre COVID. Yep. Yeah. That's, that might not be a thing anymore. That's, yeah, no. That's, uh, so, What's a fun factor hidden talent that you think you have? Um, people wouldn't know. Let's see. Well, I can burp on command. <laughs> that was a, for a long time. That was on my um, resume. Burp on command, and I was. Oh, I would wait. I would wait for some a casting director to ask me. I think maybe I was asked to do it once. Now on my uh, resume, I've got pogo stick. What? Yeah, I can pogo stick with no hands. I'm, pr- I'm pretty good at the pogo stick. Hey, that's kind of like Cirque. 
Yeah, I know. I actually, now that I have friends who do the unicycle and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I could do a little yeah. show at the box. I could have like my pogo stick and you know, <laughs> make a whole number out of it. I'd be just as impressed with that as any of the Cirque stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if I could pogo stick and like spin a something around my neck and like balance something on my head and like juggle. Then <laughs> I mean, just the pogo stick for me, to be honest. Um, I think my parents still have the pogo stick. It's not at my house here in Vegas, but they still have it back in Kentucky. That's amazing. That's a great skill. <laughs> Bring that into a show, like that you're part of the creative process for. <laughs> I should. No. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that does remind me. My, my friend who was a clown in Paramore, he is just so incredible. And I've watched him do an act once where he got fully dressed while pogo sticking like he had everything laid out and he got dressed up like a lady like he put on a whole gown while on the pogo stick he put on heels while pogo what? sticking and, and then he continued to pogo stick with the heels on it was so cool wow I can't <laughs> even walk in heels like that's that's <laughs> I would have secondhand embarrassment watching that for myself because I can't even walk in heels let alone it pogo was, stick. yeah it makes you feel like wow I'm not as coordinated as I thought yeah like I can walk, but like, I can't do that. <laughs> Normally I can walk, like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's tricky. <laughs> depending, yeah, on the sidewalk, if it's a little unlevel sometimes. <laughs> yeah, depending on the day. <laughs> so this industry, you've been a part of the entertainment industry for a while and it's such a tough industry. I feel like you get so many no's, yeah. like during auditions. How do you work on self-confidence in an industry like this? I think that for me, it's just like maintaining my friends and my family. Um, you know, I keep everyone really close and I just have to have other projects going on that, that make me feel like I'm fulfilling myself. Like, yeah. oh, so, you know, bandstand didn't work out. Oh, well, at least I, you know, I have this book of poetry I've been working on, or at least I, I freaking nailed my lasagna last night or something, you know, like... I keep working on other stuff to try to, you know, your worth is not, you know, the roles that you get cast in, but it did take several years for me to realize that where to where I wouldn't place my entire, you know, self-worth on a, on every single role. That was hard, but it just takes, you know, it just takes a thick skin. And, and like I said, yeah, friends and family to say, well, you don't know why, you don't know why it didn't go your way, but you know that you did your best. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's hard in the industry, especially with social media to like go on social media and like not compare yourself to other people, like even like friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, well, like this person seems differently than I do. And right now it's hard because I have several friends on TV shows and I'm just watching and I'm so happy for them um and it's completely deserved but I'm like I want to be on a tv <laughs> I, th I think I know what uh Zoe's yes oh my gosh I've got like five friends on yep. that show right now and then yeah also on on network tv I've got you know a lot of for the record alum are just nailing it and it's awesome and I totally get that I mean I went to New York and I went the theater out for and it's everyone's on we're all on our own path yeah, but it's very easy with social media to compare and to yep. try to put yourself in other people's positions. So I try not to. 
it's hard to take a break from social media and like not go on it and not compare mm-hmm. it but, is. hey let's manifest zoe's because like i feel like more for the record people should be in zoe. yeah it's yeah i'm thinking eventually they're gonna need like a sassy southern something yeah yeah right so <laughs> Like, send, send in something, Amelia. I don't know if you're looking right now, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's on my list this year. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up there to Vancouver. I'm going to shoot an episode. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to manifest that. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to be like, yeah, I made it happen, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'll give you, I'll give you commission. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So what are you most excited about when theater can return safely? Oh man, I'm just excited for that first audience. I cannot wait for like a big full house standing ovation. I can't wait for, for thousands of people to be moved, you know, and to experience it together. I just love that. You can feel it. You can just feel it. And I, I like to pride myself in, you know, making people cry when I sing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people come up to me and they're like, you made me cry. I never cry. And oh, so I, it's not like I'm really trying to make people cry, but it just happens. So I'm excited to just, you know, to, to share in humanity via theater again. I cannot wait to, for that feeling that we're all in this together. Enjoying it. Mm-hmm. What a feeling to like have someone come up to you and be like, wow like that was so beautiful like it it made me cry like I can't Mm -hmm. even imagine like how amazing that must feel yeah I was saying actually a couple of days ago I had a mother reach out to me her um, stepson here in Vegas had a a project and he was supposed to interview uh, interview an actor or something and I, I maybe he waited waited till last minute and so on Instagram she was like can you please help him with this project. And I'm like, of course. And then afterwards uh, I sent, I sent them in. She said, we remember so distinctly seeing you after Baz and telling, you know, just telling you how much we enjoyed the show and, um, and after Marilyn as well. And I said, you know, honestly, I think saying hi to the audience after the show, I think I miss that more than even doing the show. Cause it's just so like the stage door and stuff. I mean, that's when you really feel like you're doing something that makes a difference yeah and I mean people can talk about like maybe maybe people don't think theater is essential but it is because like it helps people yeah and and, like people who aren't performers I think it totally is an essential thing and it's deeply missed right now yeah it's sad that I know pandemic has kind of taken it away (laughs) but hopefully it'll be back soon I'm I'm I've heard fall that's what I've heard too I'm hoping for sooner but I think fall is pretty realistic I think I mean Broadway is going to be the precedent I've been fortunate to be here in Vegas where smaller venues are able to stay open like um, if if they're serving food and it's you know 25 percent capacity but it's something you know it's yeah tiny to, you know a crowd of 20 people but it's something to kind of keep me going keep me fed and in the meantime virtual stuff is amazing <laughs> yeah I just did a virtual play last night and even seeing like people's comments and stuff it, yeah it, it still kind of satisfies that that we're all in it together we're all seeing it together and experiencing it yeah so. I was gonna say you don't get the applause maybe and from virtual stuff but 
you do get the comments as you said as you yeah. said mm-hmm. but that's amazing what uh do you have anything else that you've been doing or that's coming up that you want to promote whether it's or not well, I do uh, actually um, with my housemate, we started a line of accessories and we're going to launch it for Valentine's Day and they're tassels, um, in- intimate accessories, um, tassels like Tessitura in a uh, gypsy, you know, like twirly okay. tassels and they're really cute and fun. And so um, we've got a line coming out that I'm really excited about. Um, we're calling it the vault. So on, on Instagram will be the vault intimates and you'll just see a bunch of tassels everywhere <laughs> that's amazing well yeah I felt like Vegas is a good place for it yeah yeah we're very excited Vegas is a good place for it we're going to get placements here in different boutiques and I just feel like people come to Vegas and maybe they want to leave with a little Vegasy yeah. souvenir why not make it fun and I'm like the roaring 20s are back it's totally Vegas yeah so I've been working on that that's been really fun and then Hopefully I've got my um, vocal studio set up in my garage now. So I'm hoping I can start pumping out some original music. Yes, yeah. yes I would love that. That's the goal. The album would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got enough songs for an album. So it's just a matter of being able to pay musicians to play them, basically. That's Ooh. And I'm sure people would, would be totally down to help with yeah. that. Yeah, I think so. Cool. I mean, people are just want anything to do yeah that's creative especially so and we need music we always need yeah music. yeah and I need to I need to have something to share you know yes because I feel like that's my that's what I have to give to the world so to find like to keep up with you and keep up with original music with everything you have coming up uh where can people follow you on social media yes please follow me i'm mostly on instagram at ruby lou la or ruby lou la as people say um i d- also i'm also on facebook and then i'm actually really proud i'm gonna um i'm spending a lot more time on my website these days and i'm making it more of a subscription-based website and my one woman show is there um and you can rent it to watch it or you can purchase it for download and i'm just really trying to have that be the place where I make things available. So it's rubylewis.com. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Love that. And they can go here. You're seeing all the 11 o'clock numbers. <laughs> Indeed. They're all there. <laughs> love that. And they can look on YouTube too. Like there's over the love on YouTube. Like five Oh my gosh. I think if you type my name in, then Overlove just attaches to it automatically because people. Yeah. Like I was typing it in last night and I saw like someone say that like, I saw someone say, I think it was for We Will, will Rock You, mm-hmm. that, uh, that they witnessed like a fir- their first standing ovation mid-show <laughs> after you saying somebody to love. It's so true. <laughs> it was so, it was like the beginning of the show too. It, it was that, the placement of that song was funny. Cause that, I mean, that was, that's one of the 11 o'clock numbers I sang in my <laughs> It was not at 11 o'clock. It was like at 8.15. <laughs> but what a, what a feeling standing yeah. ovation then the biggest crowd we played on that show was in Mexico city. We played 10,000 people and that, I mean, you really feel like a rock star. Like I really like Bon Jovi or something. It was incredible. Thanks for watching this episode of backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B talks TV, or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at backstage with Becca B. 
make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!